Welcome, and thank you for listening today. This Caregiver Life podcast focuses on caregivers from all walks of life. Throughout the episode, we will hear from caregivers on the front line, those who do the day-to-day, sometimes hour-to-hour caregiving. We will also hear from care recipients, professionals in the field of caregiving, and other various topics of interest to those living this caregiver life. Okay, so let's let's wrap it up because you do have to go to work, yes. and I have to go back home and do some caregiving. Yes. <laughs> um, but if you were going to give a pep talk to a caregiver, a new, fairly new caregiver, what would you tell them? Um, I would definitely tell them to find their sense of humor um, about things, to make it as pleasant for the person you're caring for as possible. They don't need to see your hissy fits. Um, <laughs> you know, I've, I've had a couple of those with dad and I apologize. I've been brought to tears. I'm like, I'm sorry I'm being a brat. I don't really want to clean your poop up off the floor. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, you know, with the same love that you had in your heart for that person when they were at a hundred percent capacity, you have to remember that you have to remember what, with a parent, what they've done for you your whole life, um, as a spouse, you know, when you said those vows, you committed to that, you know, and, yeah, and that's, you know, you, when you marry for life, um, we don't know what to expect, but what we do expect of each other is to love each other regardless, unconditionally. And so I would say if you are not a praying person, you need to learn to pray and talk to God and <laughs> because he will listen to you and he will send you things in ways you can't imagine. Um, and you know just be patient you know caregiver tip be patient be patient and if you're not patient figure out how to be patient or find another caregiver or or find somebody <laughs> to step in for yeah. you when you're losing your patience yeah i will say one more um, thing I, I did go to a um it was a parkinson's um support group uh-huh. at our senior center this was before dad went into elder house and it was actually um kim kopka's sister-in-law that was married to her brother he had als he had passed away from wect right yes yes so kim's brother had passed away it was his wife giving this talk and it was als parkinson's altogether and the biggest key that she said that really resonated with me was when people offer help take it Uh if they if you want to offer help to someone else like um, I want to mow your grass for you. Don't ask them. Just go. Go mm-hmm. mow their grass and just do it. You know, if you get your friends who want to do things, say this is a, a list of essential groceries that I need. Um, so if you'll check in with me once a week, I can tell you, yes, I need this, this, and this. So for the caregiver, don't be afraid to accept help. But for the, your loved one that you're caring for, you have to talk to them about accepting help. Because they become so dependent on you, as my dad is on me and Tom is on you, Uh that if someone says, hey, JB, I'm going to bring you breakfast, and he'll say, no, that's okay, Denise is going to cook me the best omelet in the whole wide world, you know. (laughs) And you would. Yes, I would. But, you know, for him, I had to make him understand that I'm glad you're dependent on me. I'm glad that you have that faith and trust in me. But when someone wants to offer to do something for you, just say yes, thank you. 
you know, because I cannot do everything I need to do for you. Mm-hmm. And it's nice when people want to reach out and help me with that and give mm-hmm. me some relief. So you have to be accepting of that as well. So so you have to be able to say that. The caregiver needs to be able to say that. Yes. I agree so much. And one of the things I've learned is when people say, what can I do to help? Or I can help. It's more important to say, okay, what what do you feel like you could help with? I could give you a list. Right. You have to help them help you. Yeah, okay. you really do. You have to tell yeah, them. Yeah, because they don't know. It's a broad stroke. Um, I'm here if you need me. Okay, but what does that really mean, though? Right. Like, how here are you for me? Because if you're not really here for me all the way around, our communication is going to be poor, and I'm going to be disappointed when I really need you to take Tom somewhere. Or, even better yet, I need you to take me somewhere. Right. Like, I, I have got to go for an eye exam and I need somebody to drive me because they have to dilate my eyes. Exactly. And that's what I, I would need somebody to just be able to do that, to just not care, just sit and wait. Because I, because although they say you could drive yourself home, I am not driving myself home with dilated eyes. Mm-mm. Been there, done that. I'm not doing it. Yep. So, so it's being able to articulate the help to yeah. ask and, and educating your care recipient. Yeah, absolutely. I remember yeah. right before um, Florence came. And you were trying to clean your garage. I do remember texting you and say, Kevin and I will come and help you mm-hmm. get your garage the way you need it to or whatever you need help with. We'll come and help you. But by then, I think that you had muscled up and done most all of it yourself. Yeah, I've, I've shared a picture on Facebook yeah. of it. And I and it is true. I'm the worst. I, I don't even think to ask anybody to help. I'm the but same I way. probably will take you up on that the next time because yes. the garage does need work on it. Absolutely. So. So Look, I know out. how to get all that stuff up now. I have everything elevated in my house. I'm not even <laughs> going to take it down until December. <laughs> I will take you up on it. And I thank you so much You're for welcome. joining us on this podcast. And, thank you, Mary. Um, we'll talk soon. All right. Okay. So today we have a guest with us, Denise Albi. Let's make sure I say that right. Did I say it right? Albi. Albi. Okay. Well, you know, I'm so New York, so sometimes I, it's I, just, okay. <laughs> I just kill words. So Denise is with us today to talk to us about who you're caring for, your caregiver for. My dad. For your dad. And how did you come to care for your dad? So seven years ago, I had a breakup, and um, which meant I had to leave my job, leave my house, And I ended up, and I had lost my mother, so I moved in with my dad um, and thought, well, I'll just come live here for a year. And then it turned into more of um, a caregiving situation that started out as I'll keep the house clean, I'll take care of his finances, um, I'll go to the grocery store, just little stuff like that. And then it quickly went into um, he's not driving anymore to now we have a broken hip rehabilitation. How old is your dad now? He's 85. He's 85. So he was in his late 70s mm-hmm. when you were first started to care for him. Yes. And does he have a particular diagnosis that affects his life? So he's had two strokes. He had a major stroke in 1996. And then he had a milder stroke in 2009. He was also diagnosed with Parkinson's probably 15 to 18 years ago. Mm, that's a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. And so were those some of the symptoms from Parkinson's that were affecting his life 
more than symptoms of the stroke or is it or is it just difficult to even pull that, that apart? Well, the residual effects from the stroke are that the left side is very weak. Um, he does not have good ter peripheral vision. Um, he was also, when he was diagnosed with Parkinson's, thankfully he does not have tremors, but they noticed it because of him shuffling his feet, not swinging his arms, being really rigid and just kind of hunched over. Um, so his gait had changed quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when, you know, for our listeners, you and I know each other for yes. six years now? Yep. I think six years. We just moved here. And so you had just started back up again. Doing styling, hair. Doing yep. hair, styling hair. And it was, I kind of walked in at a great time yes. for you as well. And we talked about caregiving and then we, it grew. Uh, we, our relationship grew beyond having our hair done. That's always great to be able to chat with you. Yes, we're uh, therapists to each other. <laughs> we are. And so that would be one of the messages we would want to send to some of our caregivers who are listening to us today, whether it's a new caregiver, somebody new on their journey, or somebody who's been doing it a while. It's always good to have somebody to link up to. And yes. I know you have other friends that you talk to and... Um, and I and I do too. And a lot of times for me, it's online or I'm talking on the phone. It's great that we get right. face to face time. Right. And I would encourage that for other caregivers. Absolutely. So, what is one of the things you do to create balance in your life as a caregiver? Well, that's kind of changed a lot since Dad's come home from rehab. Um, he cannot be left at home alone. Um, so, thankfully, on Wednesdays I come to work at three until nine. There's a caregiver at night. And then I'm off, I alternate Friday and Saturday off. So I try to get everything I can do done for myself, massages, nails, whatever, just me time, uh -huh. um, which is a hard thing to do when you have grocery shopping to do and the other household things um, so that I can be 100% for him when he comes home. Um, I've enlisted the help of my brother and my nephew, when they can, they're both very busy. I have a 17-year-old nephew. Mm -hmm. um, and my brother, being in real estate, stays really busy. So um, trying to make time for me is essential. And I'm definitely not the best at it. But at this point in my life right now, I realize I have to go the extra mile to do that, to take care mm -hmm. of myself. Well, if you don't, it's so disastrous for our own mental health and our physical health the Absolutely. two are sort of intertwined i think sometimes the more stressed we are mentally the harder it is on our bodies we get more tired because we're mentally stressed so we don't do as much and yes. exercise doing our nails doing our hair getting that massage whatever the thing is that works for you it's even though it's difficult to make it happen it's so important it is very it important you. so one of the things that we talked about years ago how long has your dad been going to older house three years three years that long ago yes that was not an easy decision i want and our theme this season is help in general getting help asking for help being a recipient of help which isn't always easy for people right. to do right you gifted like me a mm -hmm. massage <laughs> yes a couple of weeks couple months ago and you didn't even know that nope. my mom was having difficulties and that was adding extra burdens to my life and at first, it's not even easy for me to accept that. I was out walking with Kate, and I got your text, and I said, 
I don't really know. And then I said, no, you have to accept it because Denise doesn't even know what's going on, but yep. she had a feeling. And so I accept it because it feels as good to give. Yes. And we have to recognize that. And I, I tell my best friend all the time that when people want to bless you, all you say is thank you and you mm -hmm. take it. Yeah. And you can do the same back to them later. Mm -hmm. and, and it is, it takes, I'm better at receiving her blessings to me than she is with her. Mm -hmm. But it, it takes, um, a lot to accept those and know that those people truly love you and they do want to help you. Mm -hmm. They don't always know what to do. So, you know, in any form, it's, it's been great to have people that do help. Mm -hmm. So when dad started Elder House three years ago, he had lost his license um, because they wanted him to take a driving test in Durham with an occupational therapist on a simulator. And it was $700. And so I said, Dad, I'm, you're not going to do this. And he kept telling me, go get me the driver's ed book so I can study. I said, it's not about the book, Dad. You, you can't turn your head. You're not a safe driver anymore. And you're coming home with a different color of paint on this truck every day. And I don't know where it's coming from. So they finally took his license. So that was really hard for him because he's been very independent his entire life. He lost his parents at the very young age of, he was like 19 and 22 oh. when they died, and his grandmother. So um, he lost his license, so I said, I'll take you wherever you want to go. So that went well for a while, but then he started hallucinating and seeing people and calling me to tell me there was a black guy and a white guy going through my stuff in the house, whether it was in the bedroom or in the garage. And so I had a client, Miss um, Elizabeth, who was going to Elder House Pace, and she was in her 80s, and she kept telling me, you should bring him out here, you should bring him out here, he would love it, I'll talk to him, and I thought, well, you can talk to him all you want, I don't know that you'll be able to understand him, because he mumbles a lot, <laughs> which has always been the case, mm -hmm. so I finally went out there, and I said, Dad, you need to get out of the house, you're going crazy in here, and you're making me crazy, because I couldn't, it was like having a five-year-old that when you got home from work every day, they wanted to play, play, play. You know, mm -hmm. it was, let's go here, let's go there, let's go. I'm like, Dad, I'm, I'm tired. I've worked all day. So once I went out there, met with the people, got them approved for um, Medicaid long-term care. Mm -hmm. um, and he received the letter and told me he'd been approved. And for the moment, I thought... I never thought I'd be so happy to hear that you were approved for Medicaid long-term care, mm -hmm. but okay. And um, so we got them all lined up to go out there. I took him out there for a tour. When we left, um, he looked at me and he said, all those people look half dead. And I said, <laughs> Dad, they're just like your old friends 20 years ago. They'd be drunk and passed out of your house. Really not any different. They're just <laughs> old now. And, um, and so I was a little worried he'd be discouraged about it. Um, but he had met the staff, and he really loved the staff, um, and they really received him well because he has such a great sense of humor, and that makes all the difference in the world. You know, mm -hmm. he's thankful for everything that they do, and he doesn't complain, and, you know, that, that means a lot to them, you mm -hmm. know, to, uh, to me as well, too. So he started going there three, two days a week, then I switched it to three, so the bus would pick him up in the morning. And they would take him to the center, and then he would come home, you know, about 3.30 in the afternoon. At that point, he could come home by himself and be home. Uh -huh. And then um, they 
is an amazing program because their goal is to have your loved ones stay home, age in place, mm -hmm. at home, but gives them an activity and things to do uh, during the day. So they have his, he has his own team of medical staff. Um, they do all of his prescriptions, his wellness checks. They do um, physical therapy, occupational therapy. They have bingo. They have auctions. They just have all kinds of stuff going on all the time. Uh -huh. They have Bible study. They have choirs come in. They have kids come in and sing. So it's just a constant source of entertainment. Uh -huh. um, so then when we flooded during Hurricane Florence, mm -hmm. um, we had to evacuate. So we went to my boss's house. So you can imagine I have two feet of water in my house, three feet in the backyard. And all of a sudden, I have to switch into this boss mode. And I'm like, okay, while everybody else is cleaning their houses out of debris, I'm calling Elder House going, okay, we can't live at home now. Um, we're going to be out for probably three months. We're going to live with my boss. Um, the bus can pick him up there. Can we please switch him to five days and let's extend his day so that he would be there. They'd pick him up about 8.15 and he'd get home about 5.15, which was the safest alternative for him and the least stressful thing for me. Mm -hmm. And so they agreed. And the thing that I love about them is that through all of our interviews, they are concerned about dad's safety, mm -hmm. but they are equally concerned about my stress level. Because if you're a stressful caregiver, your loved one is not getting what they need. Mm -hmm. And so I, I loved that they had questions that they asked me, you know, not just what's your stress level. It's, you know, do you feel resentful because you can't go out with your friends that you've got to stay home with your loved one? Um, how, you know, the, the questions about how much time do you get for yourself? Um, do you feel depressed? So each time my responses were always, I'm not a high stress person. This is fine. I've got it. You know, at the time I could go and spend the weekend with my boyfriend who's 15 minutes away. Um, but since dad has fallen, broken his hip, had a partial hip replacement, he came back, he was in rehab for 10 weeks, um, to which I dutifully went every morning and night to check on him, which was exhausting. And I thought, my God, I'd rather have him home. I can do this so much better. Mm -hmm. And um, so he came home on a Friday and I'm now knowing that once he's in rehab, I'm like, wow, this is where everything kind of takes a turn. It gets a little more serious. Mm -hmm. um, my fear um, was in, I'm going to have to shower my dad. I'm going to have to help him use the bathroom. And, you know, the craziest thing is that for, you know, you want, as a daughter, you want your parents to maintain their dignity, but I also want to make, you know, maintain some of mine too. <laughs> and so I'm kind of like, I don't know about this whole penis thing. You know, when I was 28, um, I had had some surgery. I was sedated. I remember my mother telling me, your daddy has the prettiest penis I've ever seen. And that and was I, way too much information. Way too much. And I was like, <laughs> mother, please. He only had that three times. That was for me and my brother and sister. And that was it. <laughs> so all these years, you know, I thought, oh, Lord, when he gets old, and I'm going to have to, you know, see that. And uh -huh. I'm going to put my sunglasses on or I can't see that. So, you know, conquering the shower, I've referred to my dad's privates as his jewels. Uh 
<laughs> so I'll say, here's a washcloth, Dad. Cover your jewels up. <laughs> you can wash that side when I stand you up. So we got through the shower, um, and then the having to go to the bathroom and stand up. Um, I now understand why they missed the toilet, because that thing does not point in a direction of any sense. Oh, he doesn't sit and pee? No. He no. won't sit and pee? Well, we did sit and pee. He has one of those um, raised toilets, uh -huh. the three-in-one, and... Because he's used to an elongated toilet seat, uh -huh. and this one's just round, he can't get his jewels in there, in there with pee. all of that. So the one time we did that, the pee shot everywhere. Oh, man. So, it's like having a baby boy when they change your diaper and they pee up in your yes, face. Yes, and I only have a daughter, so I didn't know that. <laughs> I was like, ooh, Dad, you need to control that thing. And so I this week learned how to use the urinal and hold it for him and just totally get past Whatever it is, you know, it's yeah. all about keeping him clean. This is um, the function of your body. It is. That's, how That's exactly right. But, you know, I've, I've learned a lot. I've, I thought that penises, I've only seen them when they're hard, right before sex. <laughs> and so I just assumed that, you know, when he went to the bathroom, it would be hard too. And I thought, oh, I can't deal with that. You can't even pee when it's hard. No. That's right. So didn't even come out. Nope. I was like, you know what? This isn't a big deal. I have had to enlist the help of my brother when it comes to any um, rashes or um, things around dad's province that need to be mm -hmm. looked um, at. Looked at or, you know, Careful. tended to or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm like, dude, you just got to come over here and do this for me. You know, I mean, I do this 24 seven. So you got to at least come do this. And he, he does. Yes. Yeah, he does. He does. He needs to interact in that part. It's the hardest part for us, caring for a parent. I mean, there's many difficulties caring for a parent. But when it gets to self-care like that, having to take care of somebody for bathing and all that, and you can't always have an aide in the house every minute. The, you'd have to have somebody 24-7 in order yeah. to do that. So who's going to do that in, in the off times, you know? Yeah. It's going to fall to us. And I, I think... That's hard. I think sharing that story is so great for caregivers to know because so many adult children are caring for parents today. Yes, and it's really, you know, after that stint in rehab, I thought, I will never put you in a nursing home. I don't care what I have to do. I will never put you in a nursing home because I just, I cannot. It broke my heart every day. If I went in and he had food all over him um, or if, I mean, for a while, every day I went, I'd walk in the door and he'd go, I need to go to the bathroom. He could be waiting for the elder house bus to come get him. And he'd be, I need to go to the bathroom. I said, Dad, you know, God bless. One day I would really like to walk in here and you go, hey, D, how you doing? Good to see you. Instead of, I got to go to the bathroom. But we did what we had to do. And, you know, I made it work out. And, you know, God has gifted me with the patience of Job. Um, and both dad and I with a great sense of humor, mm -hmm. um, which is very important. I can't stress how important humor is when you're dealing with this um, or anyone that you're a caregiver for. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it. I'm, I'm not one to panic first. Um, dad and I make jokes when he falls. Um, the first time he fell and I went to help him up, I asked him, I was on the phone driving to him, asking him, you know, did you hit your head? Do you hurt anywhere? Are you bleeding anywhere? Do you feel like anything's broken? He said, my gosh, I'll call 911 next time. They don't ask that many questions. <laughs> so I was like, look, I'm doing my job here. I'm just going to have to ask, ask all the questions. And um, 
so you know that that's how we deal with a lot of it is with humor um, and that's how I've had to get past a lot of the inconveniences of changing all the bedding mm-hmm. um, at three o'clock in the morning like this morning um, I, uh, how do you know when that needs to happen does he tell he you? tells me he calls you yeah he'll say so there's there's an uh, uh, ad on Facebook and it's of a woman who's waiting for her dog to go to sleep so she can sneak in there and get a snack without wow. the dog and so the dog falls asleep so she tiptoes in there and as soon as she comes back to her room and she opens the bag all of a sudden the dog's in her face wow. it's like that at my house I get yeah. up to go to the bathroom and when I come out and I get back in my bed my bed dad'll go D I'm like yeah he's, are you up and I'm like no <laughs> this isn't really me walking. This no, is another hallucination. Me. So he's like, I need to go to the bathroom, which I have told him, you know what, it's safer for you. I've got a waterproof mattress cover. I've got a waterproof pad. Everything is waterproof. I double diaper him. I put in a shield. I do everything that I can do to keep that bed dry. Mm-hmm. And I think he's a camel. He just stores it up all day long, and then he lets it out at night. <laughs> So this was the first time I've actually had to change everything in the middle of the night mm-hmm. um, because I told him, I said, you know, it's it's safer, really. I hate to put you in this position, but number one, you don't need to get out of bed by yourself and mm-hmm. try to go to the bathroom. This is what happened before. He tripped over a shoe. Um, and number two, we can't get up four and five times a night. You know, you yeah. need to make yourself go more during the day because... I think it's everything he's drank all day long. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we, we kind of laugh about that because it's, you know, you have to wipe him down between all of that. And so I've, I've realized that my fate of an all-night sleep is back to when my daughter was born, and it's probably not going to happen anymore, you know, that I will have to get up in the middle of the night. So you think it'll be more constant that you get up in the middle of the night? I hope not. I just mm-hmm. have to find the right thing to put on him. Mm-hmm. That will hold it in instead of get it on the bed. Well, maybe some of our listeners have some ideas and they can send me a message. They can yeah. send me an audio message. They can send us an email. You can go to our Facebook page as Caregiver Life and send me a message there because that's the one thing about caregiving. We have our, you know, little tricks of the trade. We have our tools in our toolbox, but we can always use more. Right. And we don't all have all the answers all the time. So maybe somebody else has a good solution for that. And that's yeah. very much true in the ALS community. We trade information all the time. What pain medications do you use? What kind of, you know, liquid formula are you using for, for eating and what works best in you for your person you're caring for? We don't have all the answers. So if somebody has yeah. an answer out there, let us know. Well, since you said that, uh, they brought dad home for a trial one day. So the bus brought him home. I pulled him in the house in the wheelchair. Thankfully, we already had a ramp. Um, we have accommodated things as they come up. So we've kind of grown with him uh-huh. um, and what his needs are. So the lady came in to see how he would interact in the house, how he could get along, if there were changes and you know I needed to make. So he took the walker, walked from the, the laundry room door all the way to his bedroom, opened the shower door, Looked in, she said, oh, you don't have to get in the shower. He said, I'm just checking to make sure everything's still where it's supposed to be. Okay, Dad. <laughs> so, in his bedroom, I have a string of Christmas lights under his bed because they illuminate the floor at night softly mm-hmm. um, so that when 
you know, when he was getting out of bed, he wouldn't have to turn every single light on and really wake himself up. Um, and for me, when I go in there, it's, it's great because it gives me a walkway that I can see. Mm -hmm. And, um, so his bathroom, we had already redone his shower and tub and taken that out and put in a step-in shower that had a seat. And we have four grab bars in there. None of them match because it depends on where he goes to grab it. There's not one there. He's like, I need one here. Put one here, put one here, wherever it is. So, so you've kind of grown with that. Exactly. Yeah. So when she left, she, um, he had to go back to the wheelchair. So instead of walking the way he came, he went through the living room and came through the kitchen. And she said, oh, no, JB, you can come this way where your wheelchair is. I said, oh, no, he's inspecting the house to make sure I haven't changed anything while he was gone. Mm. That's what he's, he's doing. He's checking on you. Yes. And she was like, okay. So he, I asked her, I said, you know, is there anything that you can see that I need to add or that I need to do? And um, she said, no, there's nothing I can tell you to do. She said, I wish I had a hundred more caregivers like you. Then I feel really good though, because over the years we've talked about the things that you've added to your house, those grab bars. And there was an issue with the bathroom at one point and Kevin, your boyfriend helped you with that part, fixing yep. things. And, um, even after Florence, you had hurricane Florence, we're in Wilmington for those who don't know was we were just devastated and especially you guys were devastated yes. in your part of town so much flooding and it was just you you talked about it earlier but the that'll be my, my car turning off here we're podcasting out of my car <laughs> it's our fancy studio um so um so you had to have things done then to address the issue of your dad and you've really grown to that over the years so it's like it's like you got an a plus Right. It absolutely was. Yeah. And there's still things right now, you know, that I'm seeing that need to be done. Like we have that three in one portable toilet bedside potty, but sadly, you know, he goes to reach for that for support to pull himself up and it's not pin, it's not nailed down. So I'm going to either have to add a half a wall, you know, to put another grab bar, but I don't want to block myself out of the space I need to have him, mm -hmm. you know, be there with him. So we just kind of grow with each thing. And, you know, there's been a lot of things I've done that have worked and some things that haven't worked and we just keep moving. We just keep trying yeah. flexibility. That was one of the, um, caregiver, like five attributes of a caregiver that Jennifer McIndy, who's oftentimes does the interviews with me and we share the podcast we're partners in the podcast that we think that's probably one of our top attributes that if you don't have it yet as a person and you're a caregiver you're probably going to need to develop flexibility absolutely everything will change we changed the time we were podcasting not because the hurricane hit us last wednesday but because we had to prepare for it yes right because i had to take care of tom and you had to take care of your dad and all your P's and Q's in place. And so flexibility is so key to everything. It really is. Yeah. And if the people in your life are not flexible, they'll probably end up being out of your life sooner rather than later. Cause when that person needs care, it just really has to come first. Everything yes. has to come around it because when we say we need care, it's really like care. Like he can't get out of bed to go to the bathroom. So he's either going to wet himself or I'm going to have to take him to the bathroom. So I'll have to get to that back to you on that phone call. Yeah. Right. So flexibility is key. And your boss, how great your boss is. Oh, she's amazing. I mean, Absolutely that's incredible. Yeah. 
there was a national convening yesterday in Washington, D.C. at the Dole Foundation and AARP spearheaded with, I think, a couple of other organizations talking about employment in America for caregivers and the kinds of things that we need. It's not just, and it's not, and Elizabeth Dole, Senator Dole said it so beautifully, it's, it's economics, like we need to get out, and it's self-worth. Yes. So even if you could afford to stay home, which you can't, but even if you could, and you're too young, and why would you do that to yourself? It's just so important to feel good about going to work. Right? It is. So I love my job, but I'm doing this. Right. Right. If I wasn't doing this, I'd have to do something else. Yeah. I can't just do that one thing. I can't allow caregiving to be the only thing that defines me. Yes, exactly. And, you know, I mean, I, I have the great, they're sisters. I have the greatest bosses in the world. And for Lexanne to take us in, um, you know, I said the best thing about living with your boss is that she understands you need to work, you know. Um, and the other great thing is that she wants you to be able to work because yes. it benefits both of us. Yes. So she, um, her mother-in-law lived next door with Alzheimer's. So they had caregivers in place for her from 8 a.m. until 4 p.m. But either she or her husband had to be home by 4 for them mm -hmm. to leave. And so they made sure they were there to help dad into the house. They'd get him a snack or a drink. Um, on Wednesday nights when I worked late, she'd get him dinner. Um, and then, you know, I, I just, the gratitude for that is huge, you know. Mm -hmm. So I've devoted my life to her. I said, I'll be 80 working in the spa with mints <laughs> at the front door. Just saying, welcome to head to toe. <laughs> I'd be saying, I like your hair, but yep, let's go with it so more pretty. gray. <laughs> yeah, let's change that, girl. It's time. <laughs> we don't care how old you are. You've got to look good. Yeah. You know? It makes But I, I do. I love my career. I love that I can help people feel better about themselves um, in whatever capacity it is and the way they look or how they feel or whatever. I was definitely born with a caregiver spirit. Hi, Jen. Hi, Mayor. How are you this morning? I'm pretty good. I'm I've got some caregiving challenges going on with some surgeries getting scheduled and some some testing that didn't go the way we thought it would with my brother it caused a little panic attack and not a little panic attack, a big panic attack. And uh, so I've got some caregiving things going on, but the rest of my life is, is, is good. It's okay. Well, good. I love to hear that. And mine is too. It's going pretty good. And in fact, Yesterday, I had the opportunity to speak with another caregiver, caregiver friend, hairstylist of mine, Denise. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping that others who listen to it are going to enjoy the, at the podcast speaking with Denise today. I can't wait to hear it. Okay, cool. Let's roll. Alrighty, what did you think of that? Well, first, I want Denise to do my hair. She sounds amazing. And I just, I need somebody <laughs> like that in my life that can, uh, you know, be my peer while I'm getting my self-care done. <laughs> we, do, we do that all at one time. She, Denise is the, um, is my hairstylist who helped me grow my gray in and still look beautiful on that gray growing in journey. You do look great. Your hair looks awesome. She did good. So what was what was your takeaway? My my takeaway is that I love Denise's sense of humor and her 
um, her dedication to caring for her father. Well, you know, Denise got into caregiving the way most of us do, sort of unexpectedly. She had a life change herself, and then the uh, the need for her to be a caregiver revealed itself, as it often does. You know, when we when we get closer to the care recipient, um, you start to see things going on that you didn't know. Like, oh my gosh, I didn't know you were having all these problems. You need someone. You need me. And um, it was interesting to hear. Denise talk about that. And um, I really liked her philosophy about finding, finding alternatives to her schedule, to her father's schedule, to the care that they have so that she can have less stress. You know, she's making choices that are the least stressful. I talk about that a lot about finding the path of least resistance. And sometimes that is not easy for other people to understand. For Denise, it was um, putting her dad at the elder house for longer days, more days a week, but it offered um, the least amount of resistance in her life at that time, and that really spoke to me. Um, And Denise said a couple things that, that, a couple of quotes that I will put up on our Facebook. They just really spoke to me. One of them is, if you're a stressful caregiver, your loved one is not getting the care they need. Man, that's a powerful uh, punch. Isn't it? It really struck me when she said that as well. I, I had to step back and think about the times that I've lost my patience and, and felt irritated and, and wondered, I'm not taking care of myself, so I'm not doing a good job being a caregiver right now. Yeah, that really talks to our one of our five attributes of a healthy caregiver, which is practicing self-care. And I, I felt like, um, actually, when we were talking to Denise, that she ticked all the boxes for all the attributes of a healthy caregiver. But she said something else that really spoke to me. She said, when people want to bless you, accept it and say, thank you. End of story. Any form of help is still help. And that's another attribute of a healthy caregiver is that you will accept help and you won't feel bad about it. You'll just take it. If it's somebody putting your garbage cans up by your garage door, accept it. If it's an offer to, provide you with uh, the insight to sign up for, for Medicare services. Don't be proud, accept it, like whatever it is, because it will give you a less stressful lifestyle. Agreed. God, those were such perfect uh, quotes that you pulled out. So, all right. So we'll wrap up this podcast. We would love everybody to share our podcast if they like it, to rate it. Where does the rating go on iTunes? that correct yeah we get uh we'd love to have five stars and um any feedback that you may have and also you can email us we have an email now this caregiver life at gmail.com perfect okay till the next time